of Looking Through the Glass Onion. I'm Billy McGuigan here with Jay Hansen. Hello, hello, welcome. Good morning, we're coming to you from beautiful Midtown Omaha in the Jay Hansen Studios. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful view out the window there. I'm going to close this. All close right. The, uh, the cops come closing the barn door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about uh, episode three here. Uh, this was my choice today. So first we covered Love Me Do, then we did Yellow Submarine last week. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about kind of an obscure Beatles song. If you're a casual Beatles fan, you don't know this one. I didn't. No kidding. Until we started doing the no show. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking. Yeah. This is I've Got a Feeling off of Let It Be. One of your favorites. One of my all time favorite Beatles songs. Yeah. That is so cool. I get it. Yeah. It's a, it's a jam. Yeah. God, it, it's, uh, well, we, well, we'll get down to it. Yeah. So this song didn't chart, was never released as a single. I have no chart action for it. It's only on the album Let It Be. It's on Let It Be Naked. Yeah. Uh, Great version on the anthology. Yeah. Um, and you say you have several recordings of this song. Well, they recorded it several days yeah. um, before the ultimate version on the rooftop. Yeah. Um, the first take, which went on Let It Be, mm-hmm. and an edit of the two takes that they did on the rooftop that went on Let It Be Naked. So good. Yeah. It's such an um, interesting song as we <clears throat> talk about the writing of it. So... I think this is, when people ask me, what, what's your favorite Beatles song? This is my stock answer. Um, because it's the last song Lennon and McCartney wrote together. Yeah. And Day in the Life uh, was the last, you know, they wrote, they did that one together on Sgt. Pepper. They did Baby, You're a Rich Man. And then this. Yeah. So after Sgt. Pepper, they only wrote two other songs together. And really... They didn't write it together. Right. Like, we're sitting together. They had separate songs that they put together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it works so Oh, well it sure does. In the song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Macca was writing this. Macca. <laughs> Paul is writing this for Linda. Yeah. fiance at the time. Yeah. And I've got a feeling, feeling deep inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's head over heels. Yeah. You can for hear sure. that. Yeah. It's, yeah. And under this rock thing, which to me is very wings, right? This is kind of like, let me roll it. I, Totally like Let Me Roll. Good you call. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he yeah. doesn't really have a song like this before this, but he writes this song to me at least three or four times after. Okay. All right. You All know, right. as a solo artist. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Wings. Okay. Nice. John, on the other hand, uh, has this song called Everybody Had a Hard Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see this on the anthology. Yeah. You see him like in a garden with Yoko. Playing this song, yeah, he's got his little. Is Travis picking his it? Little Travis, yeah, Travis it's like Julia almost. Weird, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and at the end, he, you know, he kind of looks in the camera and says, "Surprise, surprise." <laughs> uh, and so he had that song. Paul had that this song. And so in October of '68, they finished the White Album. Yeah, Julia is the last song they record for that. Then they get together the 22nd of January, and they record a group of songs when they're, they're working for their Let It Be project, which mm-hmm. we'll delve into a little bit. But they've got Dig a Pony. They've got uh, Get Back, mm-hmm. Don't Let Me Down, and this song. These are the four songs they okay. bring as they're rehearsing in front of cameras for this. So th- those are kind of how it was written. Uh, influential-wise, uh, see what you think about this. The band became important to the Beatles around this time. 
Interesting. Okay. okay. Uh, and when when uh, George is writing All Things Must Pass during this time, he, he's explaining to the Beatles, I think this is on the anthology, you can hear him kind of explaining to the Beatles what he wants. And he says, make it very bandy. Okay. And I hear that in this song too. Even with that little, the little guitar riff that, that Paul has written there. Right. That John plays. Right. Right. It's John playing. John's on, playing the intro. Yeah. So you've got an A, an A position with your pinky on the, the, the high E string on the fifth fret. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're playing that and that's your and you're kind of doing that little hammer on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a band thing, you know, like uh, okay. the weight kind of starts yeah. that way. The nice. And I hear that in here. Uh, I, I don't know why I hear that. I've just always kind of heard. What do you hear when you listen to this song? As somebody that maybe wasn't a fan of this one beforehand. You know, I just, I just didn't know it. Yeah. And, and it is, um, I know we'll get into playing it later, but it's one of the trickier ones for me to play because of what George does. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like George on, on these songs is, is as improvisational as he gets as a Beatle. Interesting. Um, like, you know, one after 909, this one. Um, it just feels like it's sort of like he's just sort of jamming, maybe noodling, whereas a lot of his parts seem very written to yeah. me, very, very orchestrated. Very thought through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and very much a process, you know, from start to end. Um, and you hear earlier, like, like his best early solos are way after the, re- the recording. To right. me, you know, right. like live at BBC solos are always better than what right. he did in the like studio. Once he gets it under his fingers, he's yeah. just he yeah. Excel. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I feel like this is one where he's he's sort of noodling, but it works. It works. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's if it's part of me wonders if he just doesn't really care that much. Yeah. You almost you can hear that in there a little bit. Yeah, because um, it is so sort of. On George, like yeah. after and before this period, to That's me, right. to me, interesting. That's an interesting take to it. So, if if you're listening to this and you're a casual Beatles fan, it probably is important to kind of frame what was going on with the Beatles yeah. at this time. So they they did the White Album mm-hmm. and nearly broke up a couple of times during that re- that record. Yeah, George they, Ringo both left at points. Basically, becomes the Beatles as solo artist with the Beatles as guest on their own record. Yeah. Um, then they get to get, Paul has this idea because they, they had a movie they needed to do. They contractually obligated to, to oh, do a sure. movie. That's right. Yeah. And by the way, in the last one, I want to back up and talk. Magical Mystery Tour was another movie title that I forgot to mention in last week's episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. I fixed that. Okay. Right okay. here. Yeah. Also a great song, Magical Mystery Tour. Totally. Um, so they, Paul has this idea that they are going to perform a concert. Yeah. They were thinking about doing it at the Colosseum in Rome. They're thinking about doing it on a boat in the Mediterranean. That's, I, yeah. These, these real fantastic ideas to Paul, which are really great ideas, but nobody else is into it. Right. John, John is not into it at all. George wants to leave so bad, and Ringo could not have been more bored. <laughs> and they finally settle on, hey, let's, let's practice this album. And that's what we'll record. That'll kind of be a documentary, and we'll finish it with this huge concert of some type. So they sit down with that in mind. So George brings in a guest. He brings in Billy, Billy Preston for yeah. this record. Yeah. He's very, very important on this record. Oh, without His question. solo on Get Back is unbelievable. His Don't Let Me Down, what he does in there is so good. And on this song, 
he's really doing some cool things that you don't hear on any other Beatles song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that kind of adds a little, little extra to it. It's totally. Like, I dig this one, man. So let's talk about recording of it. Okay. They did it over 20, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th of January, 27th, 28th. And then on the 30th, that's when they're on the rooftop, right? Right, uh, right. Talk to me a little bit about, because I'm interested to know, how did they capture what they got on the rooftop? Because it doesn't sound bad. No, it's actually pretty good, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, how do they, so it, George Martin is not associated with this record. It, in some ways he is, I guess, when they moved to the Apple studio. But during the Twickenham recordings right. and the rooftop, George is really he, not around. Right. Not interested right. in what they're doing. Yeah. So Glenn Johns is engineer. Engineering and producer. Kind of de facto producer, too. Right. Yeah. He, it's his job to sort through all the stuff they've recorded. Yeah. But the rooftop stuff does sound good. So it does. Tell me yeah. about mics. Tell me about how they did that. Because I... I have no idea. Well, they, I mean, they have a great collection of microphones there, at, at, which I, I would guess they came from Abbey Road. You'd have to assume so, right? I, I don't think the, the Apple film, had... The film crew yeah, isn't going to bring that right, stuff. Right, right. So, I mean, they're using Neumann U87s a lot. There's a great uh, story in one of the books I researched about Alan Parsons having to go buy women's stockings for, so that's what you're seeing over there, mics. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, he, he went to some nearby department <laughs> store to buy stockings. And, and, and they're like, what size? And they're like, I don't care. And so they're like thinking he's either a cross-dresser or, you know, going to rob a bank. So that's a great Alan Parsons thing. In fact, we're recording this podcast now with those over our microphones. I'm going to go get some stockings in a, in, in a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Um, cause Alan Parsons was the tape hop sort of, but he was up, he was up on the roof as a sort of like, cause they had no communication down to the studio to the except through, except through the mics. <laughs> so, so the vocal mics. So that's how they dealt with that. So you but can hear him. I'm sure on some outtakes. I'm sure. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know which one he is. Like I've never right, spotted him. You is. see Mal yeah. up there, you yeah. know, and, and stuff, but, uh, yeah. So, um, it was recorded on eight track, which, um, that started a little bit, it started maybe halfway through the white album. Interesting. Um, so everybody's vocals on a separate track, drums are on one track, <laughs> uh, Billy Preston's on a track, each guitar is on a track, Paul's bass is on a track. So, um, I think that gets to seven. Somehow they're yeah. they're probably combining some somewhere. I guess I haven't looked. Maybe at that. maybe it's the ambient sound. The yeah, crowd, the crowd, if you will. <laughs> and there's a sync track for the for the film that takes Crazy. up one of the tracks. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is it is surprisingly good. You know, yeah. as far for this song because it not every song that was played on the rooftop was the version that was used on the album. That's right. Um, but this is definitely one of them. Um, like I said version they edited the two versions that they played together for let it be naked take one is on the album let it be right. so um but you know they had they had good gear yeah i want to talk about that phone. for a second too because on the rooftop you see that ringo's got a like is it a ludwig maple kit yeah like a maple kit without a front on it right yeah 
which yeah. is interesting. And then he's got the tea towels yeah. as well. Which is such a cool sound. It, yeah. If, if you are recording anything, go into the studio and just put tea towels on there and you're going to be blown away by it's how cool it so sounds. It's so cool, isn't it? It sounds choice. Yeah. You've got George on his iconic Rosewood Telecaster, the yeah. Fender, custom made for him, correct? Yeah, yeah. One of, one of two they made at that point. Awesome. It sounds It's great. so cool. Yeah. He's also sporting a very cool, like, fur coat. <laughs> yeah, his getup is solid, his get up man. Is solid. He's, looks like he's wearing, like, medi- medical uh, s- <laughs> yeah, like scrubs. scrub pants. <laughs> and then really cool, like, Chuck Taylor sort uh, of. <laughs> John is playing his stripped-down Epiphone Casino. Yeah. Which is, uh, he, he plays throughout his Beatle career once they're introduced in 66, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's a very used guitar for him. Yeah. And then Paul, for the first time since... Maybe no, I'm I'm guessing pre Rubber Soul. Maybe be, breaks off the Hofner. Right, plays yeah. the Hofner on a Beatles record for the yeah. first time since. He, did he play it on Rubber Soul? He got it right around then. So I think uh, he got uh, the Rick around that time. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, thanks the Rick. So um, I think at some point during those recordings is when he made the switch. Got it. If I'm. So at least correctly. two to three years, he's not playing as Hoffner. Right. And yeah. for some reason, busts it out for the rooftop. Yeah, yeah. And damn, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he sounds good. The, uh, great vocals on this song. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And I always yeah. remember, and you know, I'll talk a little bit. The reason I love this song so much, so I moved to Nebraska in 1990, military kid, and I, I meet this dude, Mike Schmidt, who I always... Third, that was a cool name. Hell of a third baseman. Number 20, Philadelphia Phillies, World Series 1980. <laughs> Home run master Mike Schmidt. So I meet this friend of mine, Mike Schmidt, right? And he's a senior, I'm a sophomore, and, and we become friends, and he's a Beatle fanatic. Nice. Beatle, yeah, I'd never met anybody growing up in Georgia and Florida that was, other than my dad, that was a Beatle fanatic like this. He had all the records, and he had. On tape, VHS tape, Let It Be, the movie. Oh, cool, cool. And that summer, I watched that movie a hundred times easily. Wow. And this was what I remember the most, this song. Really? Because there's a part when they do the bridge and it's Paul screaming it. All these years I've been wondering. And on the guitar solo bend, which I'll get to, he does that. And Paul like goes, good morning, Richard. And they rock it. And that is always, it gives me chills right now. I've always just freaking loved this song. It also, for me, as a guitar player, this was the first guitar solo I could ever play. Oh, cool. Cool. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah. oh, I can do that. <laughs> so anyway, that's, I, I love this song. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Cultural refer- reference for this song, there really isn't one. It's, mm, uh, yeah. it's just a great rock yeah. rock song featuring Billy Preston again. You can't be o- overlooked on this song. No, no. And that's kind of what George is mirroring, kind of that, that little riff that he's playing in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all three sort of have, they're all three doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it totally works. It's a good one. Um, Spectre had to love it. He had to have, right? <laughs> it's sort of right up his like alley. Chaos. Just like <laughs> the wall. And of luckily sand. this isn't one that he touched very much. Right. Right. I think yeah. that's kind of yeah. why I like it as well. Yeah. Um, it never there's got some way overproduced songs on that record. Yeah. This isn't one of them. Right. Luckily. Right. Let's talk about interesting facts. Okay. About this song. 
um, Pearl Jam. This is one of the songs they play live. I guess they've played it over 30 times live. Really? And if I, I still haven't heard the version. I'll be listening That's to it. That's nice. Post-taste. Nice. Okay. And again, for me, this is the first guitar solo I ever learned how to play. Yeah. Huge stuff for me. Any interesting facts for you that you um, discovered? It is... It, uh, I, I still don't know if I've played it right in front of people. <laughs> because George is, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't do what he, like, I'm in the spirit of what he does yeah. through that little improv. I, I call it an improv part because yeah. it's, it's, he's noodling. I, I can't call be. it any, any other right. thing. Um, and if you listen to, I do, I have, a lot of them came from you, but I have so many versions of this song um, one's like jam jamming for Heather. Oh, it's like where, you know, I, yeah. I don't even know where I got some of these, but <laughs> you, you can hear like where he's doing, you know, it, it, this is the first song that we've done where you hear the progression of the song growing, Yeah, you know? And, and so that's kind of cool. And, and that's one of the great parts, the educational parts about the outtakes that you get. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that cool little like run down and run up that they do kind of the connector between the two songs. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I, I I don't know that I've ever started that at the right point ever. (laughs) So there you go, folks. Yeah. So we'll talk about playing it live here shortly Uh, and let's get to that. So I have, I've again, self-professed, uh, Paul McCartney freak. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen him live 11, 12 times now. Nice. And there have been two moments that have absolutely stopped me in my tracks. One was uh, when I saw him here in Omaha, the 2005 tour. Yeah, yeah. When he did, <laughs> I still can't believe too many people, she came in through the bathroom window. That like stunned me. I was like, <gasps> this is for the Wings fan. <laughs> he starts with too many people and then breaks into, she came, it stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. I cried for cool. five minutes. Then the next time I saw him, I went to New York and he was, he played this song and I, you know, I mean, as a, for a deep cut, you didn't, you never expect it because he right. doesn't go deep very often. Right. He plays a lot of the hits, yeah. a couple off his new record, yeah. but man, when he dug deep on this, I just, I couldn't believe it. It, yeah. it aged so well. It sounded like a modern Paul McCartney song. Nice. Rocked nice. out. You know, you know he, he gets his Les Paul out. And oh, he's he, playing he the plays guitar. Okay, cool. It. And cool. it's just... He just... That's love awesome. It. So when we play it live, talk about the, you know, again, the frustrations that you... Do you think it comes from George noodling so much or the roadblocks for you? What do you think? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think a lot of it is... And sadly, I mean, even after doing the show for 10 years, it's still one of my least familiar songs. Interesting. You know? Um, and so, uh, it took me a while to figure out exactly what he's doing on that, that climb up and climb down. Um, (laughs) and then he's, he's kind of, you know, in typical George fashion, he doesn't, he doesn't repeat himself. Right. Interesting. In anything. And so even the, everything is slightly different in a super cool way. You know, like sometimes he's at the, you know, he's doing like the, the, 
I'll just go the fourteenth fret. Yeah, you know, down to the down to an A. So he's you know, and then sometimes he's anchored around the ten and the seven, doing like a a variation there, and it's it's all super cool, but right. it's it's to me, like I said, very improvisational compared to what to me is a typically a very well thought out orchestrated guitar player. And after this, I mean, on Abbey Road, he probably plays his, I mean, that's some of his best Beatle guitar work to me. Totally, totally. So it's got to be his just being completely disinterested. Yeah. And I mean, and I Me Mine and For You Blue aren't his two greatest songs. I mean, so he must have come in with like, you're lucky I'm here. In fact, on the fly, there was this thing that came out, (laughs) and it was just called Fly on the Wall or The Fly, where it was like the outtakes that the uh, the director of Let It Be had recorded, just oh, okay. all the tape rolling while they were talking. Yeah. And so when George leaves during this session, John, John's like, well, fuck it, we'll just get Eric Clapton. <laughs> I mean, that's how they were thinking at that point. They right. just were bitching at each other constantly. Yeah, yeah. And n- that's why it's hard to find Let It Be now. Uh, right. Ringo doesn't want that to be shown. Uh, Paul is a little bit more, uh, yeah, I think we should get it out there, but they're all kind of fighting to keep that um, under wraps. I, I find it hard to watch. Yeah, it's painful. I've watched it twice. I think I have it on a, I think I copied it off of VHS. Yeah. And it is, it's, I mean, it's dark. Yeah. You know? Dank. They're not comfortable with each other. And it's kind of, I don't know, it, in this age, as a you know, in marketing, they would never let that get out. Like right. your fit, you know, whatever group it is now, you don't want to see. I can't even name the biggest act in the world right now, but you don't want to see that person in the studio because that's kind of where the worst stuff comes out. Right. And this is a group breaking up, and they captured it, it really well. I wish they would have filmed Abbey Road because I want to be a fly totally, on the wall for that. Totally, not them just hating each other. And yeah. Not, and what's weird is. Paul shines in this concept. He does. Let it be long and winding road. Two, two of us. I've got a feeling. Get back. He is just on a roll. Yeah. And John is giving you stuff that he wrote years ago. Right. Um, doesn't make it bad. It's just, I think in this, that's why I like this song so much. Cause it kicks so much ass. And that even though George is disinterested with the, you know, it's, it's still, still a cool, cool part. Yeah. And yeah. They all kind of come together huh? <laughs> to make, make magic on this track when the, there shouldn't, <clears throat> when there shouldn't have been magic on any of these songs, they can still find it. Right. They still access it somewhere. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and you, you hear that, you see it and hear it through the, the movie. Yeah. The, and they this talk one about, keeps coming back. Yeah, they yeah. talk about, but they talk about sort of the magic was gone, but it clearly wasn't because no. look at the album that they recorded after this. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, they're pulling out, I mean, they're pulling out covers of 50 songs yeah. that they hadn't played they're probably since Buddy they Holly. were- doing Buddy Holly. Yeah, just because they were They're doing that. Help and She Loves You. They're, yeah. Yeah, They're, just trying to recapture something. When they switch locales, right? So again, if, you, if you're not familiar with what was going on, they, they're recording in the morning, which they weren't doing. Right. White Album is recorded at all hours. Yeah. Just rolling tape. If magic happens, it happens. Yeah. 
So middle, middle of recording this documentary, they decide to move to their studios in Apple where Magic Alex <laughs> has created the shit show of a recording studio that Glenn Johns has to fix. Right. Pulling shit out of the wall, plugging other things in just to make sound happen. And the mood seems to change, right? Yeah. Things seem to get a little bit better. And Paul has this idea. All right, screw it. Let's not go to Rome. Right. Let's not go on a boat in the Mediterranean. Let's not go to a stadium somewhere. Let's just take our shit and go up on the roof. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool, man. <laughs> we get their last live yeah, performance. It's the last performance, totally. And so for us playing it live, um, first of all, it's hard to sing. Paul hits maybe some of his best Beatle notes on oh, that bridge. He's he's belting through that, he isn't he? He freaking just lays it out and, there. And he's he's belting it as he's playing a wicked line on wicked the bass, bass guitar. Line. All live, by the way. So yeah. this is all, the recording that you hear on Let It Be is live yeah. on the rooftop. Yeah. John also sounds to me particularly good. There's an awesome mood change that happens. It's like, and it's kind of like getting better in this way. You got Paul like, I've got a feeling. I love you. You're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. All my life, I've been waiting for this. And John's like, everybody had a hard year. (laughs) And everybody had a good time. Everybody had a wet dream. (laughs) Kind of an F you to Paul. Everybody saw the sunshine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Freaking blows my mind, man, how these songs work together. Yeah. And then to have the ability to have John sing his part and Paul sing over top of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we do this live. Uh, my brother Ryan and I will, will go back and forth. Yeah, it. it's cool. It's a great song to play live. We don't play it very often because it doesn't get requested very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we do it pretty darn well. I think we do too. It's not yeah. easy to play live. Because no. you got to have that keyboard part, and then a lot of people will overlook that. Yeah. you got to have the Billy Preston part, and like you said, the George stuff can very easily just play the same thing over and over again, but that wouldn't be right. right. He, yeah, it, it's, it's cool. Yeah. They're all playing Fender amps, too. That's important, an important thing. Even Paul. Even Paul. Paul's that is interesting. This. Now, how did that come about? Uh, Fender, Fender was trying to get in the Beatle camp f- since... <laughs> 64. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a great story about uh, a gentleman. They were looking, Paul and John, um, it was right around this time, decided that they needed the sound of a Fender Rhodes. Had to have it. So they contacted Fender, I think Mal did, mm-hmm. um, chartered a plane, flew, <laughs> and, and John said, well, I'll take one too. So I think they flew two over, wow. unloaded it in the Abbey Road parking lot. <laughs> Mal carries it in. They plug it in. Paul walks over, plays three chords. He's like, that's not the sound I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so they think they were looking for... That's a- fame, guys. <laughs> that's <laughs> fame. <laughs> no, not no. funny. <laughs> it's the wrong that. amp, you know. <laughs> not good. Take it back, Fender. Don't care. <laughs> So, I mean, is yeah. So, but the, I think Preston had access to the Honer Pianet, which to me kind of sounds like a Wurlitzer. Yeah. The Rhodes, and then obviously the organs. Yeah. I think he's playing the Fender Rhodes on the rooftop. I don't know that for sure, though. Uh, the, what I, he's playing the Honer. Was oh, he's I playing the Honer. On, okay. On the rooftop. Okay. All right. Um, Again, I just recognize, my... I just see the. You only see the top. Yeah, you only see the top of it. Yeah. So in Revolution in the Head, which is 
Jay and I use that a lot. Um, and of course, the half-ass internet. The honer is evidently what he was. Playing. Is it okay? Cool. Um, cool. If I'm wrong, Billy or info at billymcguigan.com. <laughs> I everything I saw said electric piano, so I'm like, uh, yeah, I saw it somewhere. So yeah, maybe yeah. I made it up. Who knows? No, because it's definitely a Rhodes on Get Back. I think. Yeah. So maybe he had. Did he have two? I don't know. Uh, interesting. Yeah, if you know, anyway, let us know. Yeah, totally. Uh, so intermediate level playing it live. Um, there's a lot, a lot of tricky things to get wrong. And you better be able to sing that bridge, baby. You better Which be able you to do. sing that you bridge. You do incredibly well. And, and also, at the end, if, the, the issue that I have playing it is playing the descending line at the end of the song, not the middle one. That one's easier. But at the end, Paul's doing the, got a feeling, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So you have to sing and play that line. Not easy to do. No, no. Uh, so let's rate this one, baby. Okay. I'm going to give you the first rating on this one. How many glass onions... Do you give I've got a feeling? You know, so I've I've been I've been three and a half so far on yeah. on my first two. Yeah. Um and now I feel bad about giving Love Me Do a three and a half. I'm gonna go three on this one. Three on I've got a feeling. Yeah. Pretty good. Defend. Um I think it's because it doesn't hold it doesn't hold I, I don't have an emotional attachment to it. Yeah. This is a period of the Beatles that I don't it's probably my least favorite Beatle period. Let it be might be my least favorite Beatle album, except for Please Please Me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Only Getting because down to it now. <laughs> only because of the the atmosphere under which it was done. There's a cloud over it. There is much for like me. the day there on the rooftop. There is a dreary, <laughs> cold, yeah, feeling to it. I mean. It's so cool that they collaborated on this. We'll call it a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and it does harken back to that sort of, we can work it out, you know, Paul yeah. versus John. I, I love a lot of those things about it. Um, but I, I, I came to it late. Yeah. And so it's never pushed my favorites. It's never gotten into my... Very good. My my fave. Into your into into that echelon, <laughs> yeah. if you will. So Jay gives it three glass onions. Yeah, I'm going high on this one. I, I figured you would. I yeah, can love this song. <laughs> I'm gonna go four and a half. All right, four nice. and a half glass nice. onions on this. Um, b- because of that personal connection to it. Yeah, it it rocks. It, first it does. of all, it's a great Paul rocker, and I'm a big Wings fan, and it's very. It's very wings to me. Again, yeah. if you put yeah. this song on band on the run, it totally works. I, I see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that. Yeah. And I mean, I like the glimpses into the future, but I, that part, it, the fact that it's their last song together and in, in all of that shit that they were going through and all, you know, like John had had a rough year. He's on heroin. He had a, yeah. has a miscarriage. Yeah. Uh, it's a bad time in his life. Paul, in the, me- in the meantime, finds love. He finds Linda. And they come together to create, in all of this dreariness, this rocking song. Yeah. Um, it just it tickles my fancy. And then there's the, the fact that I could play it. Like, I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like totally. Pre-YouTube going, wait a minute. If I make an A with this finger and just put my pinky here and then make these go back, I'm like, holy 
oh my God, that's, that's how I've it. got a feeling. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's, it's a big one for me. And, and again, I, and I always like the fact too, that it's kind of obscure. So when I yeah. go, I've got a feeling half the people don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a good one, man. It's four, funny to think about an me. obscure Beatles song for me. Right. <laughs> but so it, but it falls in there, right? It does, it's not one yeah. that everybody knows. You're right. And I, and yeah. I, I don't, I don't think of it as an obscure one, but then I go, are there, there's maybe 20 obscure ones. There's probably me. 20. And this one might be the leader of the obscure ones. But, I mean, but no, you're right. It's pretty it accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think if, like, if somebody didn't know this song and they were a Beatles fan, I'd be like, all right, check yeah. this one out. Yeah. This one's, you're, you're going to dig, as Paul says on Let It Be, this one's going to, this one's going to knock you out. <laughs> So that's, uh, that's, I've got a feeling. Yeah. I, give it a listen. Uh, YouTube has a lot of the rooftop stuff. Yeah. So nice. you can check that out there. And it's, it's a great, they just look cool on the roof. They do. And yeah. it was a great idea. And yeah. I wish they would have done it in Rome at the Coliseum or something cool, but yeah. we'll settle for the rooftop. Totally. All right. What, what do we have next? Have you thought ahead? Um, you know, I think I'm going to go, I'm looking through you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great one off of uh, Rubber Soul. Probably the only Beatles song where I prefer the anthology version to the real thing. But we'll talk about more. All next coming week. up next week. I like, we're going to be weekly. I think we're settling on weekly. So this has been episode three of Looking Through the Glass Onion. Jay, it's been a real pleasure, my Indeed. friend. Indeed. I don't Indeed. know how long we've gone, but it doesn't matter. It looks we like as a long chunk. as we want. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a feeling. Good morning, Richard! <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>